Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And how's everybody doing? Big Dave and Joe uh, for another edition of Poker Action Line. And uh, pretty amazing that we're already halfway through February. It just seems like we just uh, moved into the new year, but uh, lots of questions in the poker world as we move to the new year. Uh, we have talked about a few of those things, but uh, obviously the, uh, the never-ending question is what's going to happen with uh, COVID-19 and the vaccines. That will be happening this year, and that will obviously have a major effect on the poker world. But we'll talk a little bit about that. But there are two major questions right now for people in the world of poker. One is, is there still a shot at online poker becoming... Um, if not national, then at least in a in a majority of the states or, or several dozen states. That's one of the big questions. We'll see what happens. Uh, Michigan has gone online and started their stuff. We'll talk a little bit about that, their opening and what's happening with them. Uh, that is mainly just one company, Poker Stars, in Michigan um, with the little Traverse Band of Indians uh, as their partners. But that is one. The other is, will there be a World Series of Poker this year? And will it be anything like the ones we've had in the past? So hopefully it will be different from what we had last year because I don't think that was a huge success. But, uh, Joe, you uh, getting ready to jump in a plane and fly out to Vegas and uh, play 10 or 12 tournaments? No, not at all, sir. Not at all. <laughs> um, not until you know, a lot of people are vaccinated. No, and first of all, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to turn it right now, Dave. Who knows what's going to happen in about another three months or so. But uh, – Right. As of uh, this past week, Vegas just went to thirty-five percent occupancy in their in their hotels. Yeah. So, and, and poker rooms are they open? Unless they get sent, you know, how to accommodate people if if they you know care enough to fly out to Vegas and be there for X amount of time. You know, and you have to have all your other facilities like restaurants and everything else available to to a large group of people like this. So uh, that it could happen. Absolutely. But will it? I don't know. I don't know. I, I you know, that's it all depends on how much they want to get out there. Do you honestly believe they could get 100 events out like they had planned for last no. year? I don't. I don't know if it'll ever be the same, and that's the same way I look at a lot of things. That the recovery is going to take a long time, and if ever, you know. I I listen, Dave. I believe worst case scenario, next you know twenty twenty two, you're going to get some semblance of you know assuming <laughs> we don't have another pandemic of of something else, but but uh, you know with the way the vaccinations are going, and you know. If if we start getting those people in stadiums and stuff for sporting events and concerts and stuff like that, um, yeah, I, I I don't see it being a big problem come twenty twenty two. Will we have the same amount of you know people? That might take a couple of years to get up to that. Going to get a big, in my opinion, you know, you've mentioned about how the responses and how many entries have entered some of these local tournaments in some places where they are they are being allowed to play poker and, and congregate like that. Well, I have a feeling the same thing's going to happen in a year's time, you know, if we don't have yeah. it ready by this year. Well, things are happening here in South Florida. We had our first major tournament series over at the Seminole Hard Rock, the Lucky Arts Poker Open. Uh, Ilias Marathi, uh, the Afghan refugee, really great story we talked about a couple of weeks ago, was the winner there. And he is now leading the player of the year, card player, player of the year, uh, race, uh, having won that big tournament and several other players that have won events. Uh, there was a huge event in uh, Jacksonville. Best bet had their uh, winter series. They have already scheduled their spring series for the end of March. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, Joe, Joe Rodriguez had his first big poker room, uh, poker contest or poker tournament, I should say <laughs> in uh, 2020, 21. And, uh, it was a pretty big success. We talked a little bit about that. Uh, and uh, I'm sure you're making plans to move forward with some of the big things uh, at this point. 
Yeah, we are. I mean, we have our second tournament scheduled for the 28th of February, um, where we will be giving out uh, T-shirts, you know, uh, just to commemorate our second anniversary, which is officially March 1st, the day after the tournament. So uh, for anybody who's listening to the show right now, uh, if you played in our tournament last time, um, or if you intend to play in the tournament this time around, Dave, uh, I would suggest early registration. We're going to start allowing people to register the Friday before the tournament. Uh, as of right now, it's still, again, 49 seats available at any one time. And we sold out right away. I mean, I actually had to yeah. hold up the tournament 10 minutes so that everybody could get into theirs. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Everybody had a great time, you know, it, it's 15 minute blinds, which I know is a little bit quick, but there is a lot of a large stack to start with. So uh, we got nothing but positive responses from it. So uh, we're hoping to have the same results, if not better, for this next next one on the 28th. Uh, very good. Uh, well, I looked at a few other uh, locations here in town. I know that uh, Calder is getting ready to move forward with. Well, I wouldn't really call it a poker room because they're going to have the player banked games, but not regular tables. But that uh, I hear is possibly going to open February 22nd. Uh, there still needs to be some decisions made there. Uh, the Dania room, I'm working highlight over at Dania, and their poker room is uh, talking about adding six regular poker tables on a regular basis uh, sometime in March. So that's uh, apparently moving forward there as well. No word on Gulfstream at all. I looked on their website and they don't even mention poker. So uh, I don't think they have any plans to open that up anytime soon, but uh, we'll, ch we'll check it out. Dave Litvin over at uh, Big Easy. We've got to have him on the show and talk about what's happening over there. And uh, Hylia in the Magic City both seem to be doing okay as your major competitors down there in Dade County. Absolutely. Uh, you know, hats off to Magic City. They... They are producing some, you know, very impressive numbers. Um, we did have a pretty good month for our, for us. Um, and High Elia is also, you know, generating. They they have a lot more table uh, usage than us, uh, you know, available, I should say, not usage, but table availability. Uh, their rooms are a lot larger than mine. Uh, so, you know, little by little, like you said, it's, it's coming back. Now, did I hear you correctly, Dave? You said that Dania is looking to put six poker tables. Yeah, they're poker th tables. Is that what, is that yeah, what they're mentioned? they're talking about it. There haven't been a hasn't been a final decision, but maybe as early as the first week of March, then possibly will open up six tables for regular play. Uh, right now, they just have the banked games, and they have two large. Uh, private games that have the that's what I, that's set. where I was heading. Those that's the, where I was heading. Yeah, those games are open, but uh, they're going to have more of the other regular games uh, available pretty soon. I, I do believe we'll see what happens. Uh, let's get to a couple other things. Uh, since we were off last week, uh, I do want to kind of wind up the uh, Polk Negranu match, which finally came to an end, and uh, let you know what happened there. Uh, and uh, there's some interesting strategy. Uh, gamesmanship down the stretch that I wanted to talk with you about as well, Joe. But uh, they went into the uh, final two days. They had uh, about 5,000 hands to go, something like that, 40, 40, uh, 4,300 or something like that. And uh, there was some talk about uh, how they were playing it. And it was, it was pretty bizarre. They, uh, um, Polk obviously has led throughout the match. He led by over a million at one point and it was down a little bit to, uh, uh, six about six hundred and twelve thousand, I think, with a with about less than five hands, to, five uh, five thousand hands to thousand. go. So yeah, so here's what happened. Uh, basically, uh, let me pull this up here. Um, there was some talk about uh, how they uh, s switched their strategies around a little bit. They actually had to call in an arbitrator. Uh, Phil Galfond has kind of served as that whenever there was some questions, but. Uh, Polk kind of decided to sit on his lead a little bit when it was the end was near. And what he did was he completely changed his strategy. And I want to see what you think about that today. He even hinted at it by tweeting uh, ahead of time that there was a big strategy change coming. And it was a more passive strategy. He was frequently limping in when he was on the button, uh, a play that was really foreign to what they did the entire time. 
Negrano had some success against that in the beginning, but he was getting frustrated with that. And uh, Polk decided that, uh, you know, he said it decreases the standard deviation. He said if you play for smaller pots, there's less variance. So we were trying to lower the variance. Uh, let's say we lose 10 buy-ins over the next 3,000 hands. It's kind of like prevent defense. He goes like a football yeah. game almost. So uh, to combat that, Negrano got upset. So what he did was he started tanking. He was taking the entire 20 seconds on every hand, which really upset Polk. And, uh, you know, he said there was, he was tanking 20 seconds to check the flop after, after taking 20 seconds to open. And then every single decision slowing the game down to nothing, which he said was a total POS move by uh, Negrano. But it did bother him. So uh, maybe that was a way of him getting back at it. So uh, eventually they kind of just got angry and they brought Galfond in to uh, – to uh, make a decision about it and kind of, uh, you know, put things together and, and, and uh, hear what he had to say. They both told their story and Galfon decided that uh, Negrano should act quickly on the button since he wasn't facing a new strategy there when there was no action. So he uh, allowed him to use his time bank up when he was in the big blind on the other hand. And they tried to follow this strategy for a while, and then pretty much they gave it up afterwards and started acting faster, and then uh, it got back to a normal course of play. What do you think about, first of all, changing your betting strategy by limping, kind of sitting on the lead, basically, and then to combat that, make the guy angry by tanking and taking a lot of time in all your decisions? <laughs> this is a gamesmanship from both of them, um, you know. Right. Uh, 600,000, uh, you know, for us, David's a substantial win after so many months and, you know, 21,000 hands, give or take, uh, you know, at that point when, uh, when Paul decided to do that, um, again, I don't, you know, doesn't seem like this was part of whatever rules, you know, whatever guidelines they had set up in advance. So that obviously that pissed off Nebrano because of the way you were, basing your strategy on how to play and then you know negrano decided well you know you're going to do that i might as well try to piss you off the best way i can do that and um you know it's it's like two little kids uh you know arguing here but there's a lot of money involved and again um if it was a matter of seeing who's the better player who's going to win so much more money you know i don't know I know that if I'm in a, in a session, and again, this isn't what they're doing here, but you know, a lot of poker players are in a deep in a session, and you know, you're about to uh, call it a day because I don't get in those days. But I know that you know I've played in a lot of private games, and I've seen it as a dealer in private games and big games in the in the casino. You know, you've got your regular players, and someone starts the day off, you know, just blistering, you know, just winning pot after pot after pot. So this person can't get up. And you can obviously see they're, they're trying to, to give action, but in the most uh, you know non-aggressive way possible. And usually when they get within about an hour of when they usually leave, you're just you know, checking things down, folding, playing the nuts, and, and they're catching a lot of crap from the other players, you know, especially right. if they're, uh, you know, if they're regulars. So, you know, it's a, it's a thin line there that you, that you, that you play with, but you know, human nature, you know, I've, I've uh, scored a big win and I'm not going to take the chance of giving it all back, you know, on two or three hands, you know, at the very end of the session. So I well, don't know what, you know, that was the thought process Paul had or not. Yeah. Well, people are wondering, what was the final result? So let's uh, give you that. They played 1,700 hands on the last day, more than six hours to finish up. Uh, a couple of big sessions down the end, uh, over 200,000 twice in a row, gave Polk a $1.2 million advantage for the final, uh, 25,000 hands. Uh, a pretty solid defeat. But not a big shock for a lot of people. Uh, Polk was the uh, expert at heads-up play, especially online. 
And, uh, you know, there, while there were people that figured at four to one odds that uh, DeGrana was a good bet, it did not turn out to be such a good bet. And uh, Polk got the win. So there was a lot of good feelings at the end when they finally talked it over and uh, congratulated each other on the way they played. Uh, in fact, the night before their final session, they actually had a little study session together. Uh, just trying to try to learn something from the hand histories of the tournament. And they kind of talked about that stuff in the end. So finished up there. So uh, Polk said, uh, Hey, you know, this made him a better player. And if anybody thinks they can take him on in a head to head match and have it some easy success, they're not going to find it because he's says he did a really impressive job with a lot of stuff. He did. He said, I did not think he would play this well, but by the end, he was doing so many sharp things and had become so proficient at the game that the he says there's not a lot of poker players out there that can beat him at the format. He, he was talking about Negrano. Negrano. Yeah. That Negrano had improved. I, I mean, yes. I don't know about you, Dave, but that doesn't surprise me with the caliber of player, you know, that Negrano, you know, that we've known him to be for the last 20 players doing the show and uh you know the man is in the hall of fame uh you know he, he was someone before online and uh but isn't isn't the know, point that uh heads up and online is a completely different game from what daniel's been doing his whole career yes yes it is uh, in the sense that you know one of the things that i enjoyed about daniel i don't know if you did but I love the interaction that he had with the poker players and how he was, at least what they showed on TV, you know, he was so charming and uh, he was able to, you know, get information from players based on, on the, on what he would tell them. This is what I believe you have. And it just, sometimes I, you, I remember mentioning on the show there, he goes, I, I know I'm losing to you. I just want to make sure that you have this particular hand. And he made him, and the guy turned over like just strictly amazed. And you know, watching him, you know, back then, mentioned, "No, I know that you've got this." And even though he didn't pay for that information, the guys were the, uh, so charming, and, and you know, he was able to get information out of people. And he knew that his reads were correct. And yes, heads up, Daniel obviously has won a lot of tournaments. At one point, you are heads up. There it is. The 1.2 million. He doubled them up <laughs> from yeah, what you're exactly. saying. You know, he doubled them up in the last uh, 4,300 hands. Right. We're, we're having a little bit of trouble with your uh, your feed. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll keep going here and see what we can do to, to, to plow through it. But So people are wondering uh, what's going to happen from here on out. And the story goes that there are uh, several possibilities. But the first thing we've heard is that there's already been a challenge uh, between Negranu and Phil Helmuth. Helmuth uh, criticized Negrano for the way he played. And uh, Daniel got mad and kind of challenged him to a match. And so it looks like that's the latest thing that's in the works here uh, for those two guys to go at it. So that'll be the first thing. Uh, as far as Polk goes, he says uh, that he's, uh, he's going right back into retirement. He said that it was very tough for him. He said uh, just one of those things, you know, that, uh, you know, he wanted to have this challenge and it was it's extremely grueling and he doesn't believe that he can continue to uh, continue to play. So he's not going to play anymore uh, anytime soon. But Negranu and Helmuth uh, have talked challenge and they haven't agreed to the final thing. But but Daniel said uh, in his tweet, he said, you watched zero of the match, you say Helmuth, but you seem to have strong opinions on the play. He said, I'll play you heads up match live online. Any stakes you feel comfortable with for as many hands as you would like. You want to play big guy? And uh, Helmuth finally uh, revealed that he was interested. So they're making some final uh, decisions here. And this will be the next in a number of heads up challenges that we've seen lately. The Galfon challenge against uh, Chance Corneth just ended with uh, Galfon winning big. And there were a few others out there. Of course, uh, Helmuth played uh, the magician, Antonio Esfandiari, and defeated him. So uh, we'll see what happens as far as that goes. But uh, looking forward to uh, the two legends going at it. Uh, this was a legend and uh, a legend in his own mind going at it, the Polk-Negranu match. But uh, Polk obviously had his strengths and, and played to his strengths, and, and he came out on top. But uh, would, would you uh, – 
be more interested in a Helmuth Negreanu match, Joe? Uh, yes. <laughs> well, obviously, at my age, I've been watching both of these guys play for many, many years. So, yeah, I'd be interested in watching them and, uh, you know, seeing the, 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 the commentary back and forth that these two guys would have. Um, but, you know, with that being said, Dave, I really, you know, I'm a big Negrano fan and I didn't get a chance to watch any of, uh, of the match that he had with Polk. Uh, I did enjoy your weekly updates on it as we were going over the last few months with this, but, uh, you know, um, if I was to watch anything, I definitely would enjoy watching those two guys. You got to figure that uh, while Negreanu probably did have some people helping him, we know that Polk did. He had some coaches that he went over extensively, some of the things that happened. Uh, he has a training site, Upswing Poker, and, of course, he, those that have a bunch of his friends that really know the game, and they actually were able to track all the action of every hand he played and then put them into multiple spreadsheets. So uh, certainly an advantage there, I think. And, uh, you know, it's funny uh, – you know, if you if you know what you're doing as far as getting support, that's half the battle. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I think about that, Dave. It's uh, it's like a boxing match. You know, you got a better quarterman and that are that are able to pick up what your opponent is doing and letting you how to um, you know react to it. Uh, it's it's a big advantage. Um, is that Daniel Negrano's strength? I don't believe so. You know, Negrano's, you know, earned his reputation the old-fashioned way, sitting across from a table with somebody. And if you made notes, you made them afterwards uh, and made the adjustments the next time you played each other. But, uh, you know, with that being said, I'm thinking to myself, if I was Daniel, maybe you want to challenge Polk to, uh, you know, brick and mortar. You know, no, no, uh, no friends, no, <laughs> no coaching while you're playing, you know, because these people could be getting information practically real time, you know, as, as stuff is going on. So it'd be very interesting to see, you know, if, if that would, the same results would, would, would occur, you know, if they were playing those type of hands, maybe not 25,000, but, you know, maybe five or 6,000 in, in a casino with a real dealer dealing and no one in your ear uh, giving you advice or giving you statistics, uh, it, you know, strictly old fashioned, put that information in, in your, uh, <laughs> in your brain and, and go from there. So. Right. Right. Well, before we head to the break, there's been a lot of news that we haven't covered over the last couple of weeks. I wanted to mention a couple of quick stories here. Uh, word coming out that, uh, Chris Moneymaker who, uh, just left, Poker Stars uh, at the end of January has already signed a, with a new company, uh, America's Card Room. He is now going to be on the ACR team less than five weeks after uh, parting from uh, Poker Stars. So uh, they're thrilled to have him. He's uh, thrilled to have something where he can play at home and not have to travel for all these uh, only special places where Poker Stars has action. So he's going to be the ten of the former Tennessee accountant who lives in Mississippi now will be the what, team pro for the site. And uh, they're calling that the biggest online poker news thus far of 2021. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, uh, one of the major uh, players in the business, uh, Sheldon Adelson, passed away uh, within the last couple of months. Uh, he, of course, was a big opponent of online poker. So what's the first thing that happens? Well, Sands, Las Vegas Sands, the corporation is now saying they are going to look into having an online poker site. So uh, obviously, the second he passes away, they're like to, liking uh, to jump into the void. Not so easy, though, to uh, be one of the, the Johnny-come-latelys in the game and with a lot of people expanding their business. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. And the other big news uh, is the, the death of another uh, gambling uh, icon, in a way, Larry Flint passed away last week. Uh, he, of course, was the founder of Hustler Magazine and as an officer. He's better known for that day. <laughs> yeah, of course he is. But he, he did uh, own the, the Hustler Casino 
and uh, was involved a lot with poker and having big tournaments there at Hustler Casino and different ones as well. Maybe not so much in the late years, but in the very beginning, uh, Larry Flint uh, did a lot of stuff like that. So uh, he was 78 years old. He passed away last week of congestive heart failure is basically the, the term I'm looking for. Uh, so he was a big in the porno industry, big in the uh, gambling industry as well. And uh, they did a movie about him a few years ago. Woody Harrelson played uh, Larry Flint. And uh, he was always a, a controversial uh, person, but he did own the Hustler, Hustler Casino in uh, Gardena, California, just outside Los Angeles. So he started as a, a player with his own high stakes seven card stud game at his home, later moved to the casino and over the years battled poker legends like uh, Barry Greenstein, Chip Reese, Doyle Brunson, uh, Ted Forrest and Phil Ivey, where they played uh, 4,000, 8,000 games with a minimum $200,000 buy-in. So uh, he was a big time player as well. You know, and not only was he a uh, card player himself, but, um, you know, whether you agreed with the pornography and uh, the other points that he was involved in, uh, Joe, you had a point about, you know, that he was kind of a an icon and a uh, person who picked up a lot of respect for First Amendment rights. Absolutely. Well, I used to, you know, watch him on Phil Donahue, like that kind of stuff. Like he was always heavily involved and aggressively challenging those that would, uh, you know, stifle First Amendment rights. And you know why he was he was involved in uh, the porn business, magazines, etc. But that's not what it was about. And it was a different era then. People think about how open and free things are now, and they assume they were always that way, but they were not. There was a time where the idea of adult-themed imagery was tremendously taboo. And to even be able to do it was uh, a fight. He ended up in the clink, et cetera, and so on. So uh, when you think about Larry Flint, you think about many things. But to me, his top line is First Amendment warrior. Because without guys like that who are willing to go to jail, willing to fight with lawyers, break out, spend a lot of money, who knows who would be running the show right now? And you just you just can't say. Um, so, you know, Mr. Flint, rest in peace. The other thing I wanted to mention was uh, many people don't remember that he was shot and ended up spending about the last 25 years of his life in a wheelchair. And, you know, some people... You know, that happens to them and they're ready to just give up on life. But he fought his way uh, and, and, you know, didn't let that stop him from doing and accomplishing the things he, he did over his career. You mentioned the movie. Uh, I think it's something that everyone should go and watch. Go and watch like you're going to go to a movie theater, but definitely download it or watch it wherever you can. And just always think, I like to think about this. Look, we're doing a podcast about poker and it's no big deal. But. There was a time where these things that we now consider totally normal were not normal and they were tab taboo, like sports betting, gambling. You and I think it's no big deal and it should be legal and an option for everyone everywhere because why wouldn't it be? If I want to spend $10 on something that I can't, who's telling me that I can't? What? Why? Right, right. Uh, and he was on the cutting edge of that. No, no, people were saying, you no, you can't look at that. Well, why can't I? Because because I'm telling you, you can't. And that is what Larry Flint fought against. And it's just worth mentioning. And it was a sad day uh, when that went down. Yeah, absolutely. OK, well, let's take a break in the show. Uh, Joe had to step out for a little bit. Hopefully he'll be back when we return. Uh, Poker Action Line is always available on all the places you get your podcast. We invite you to uh, subscribe to the show. Uh, put your uh, your thoughts on the show. Give us a little uh, feedback on uh, what you like, what you would like to see, uh, both on Spotify and on SoundCloud, all the great places that people get their podcasts. Uh, you can go to our website for past shows. We have some of the older ones uh, on there, some of the excellent shows that from the uh, beginning of our run, which started absolutely in uh, 2011. Uh, 2010 actually but so we've been on over 10 years but uh, a lot of great shows there you can check those out or you can go to some of the other sites we uh, constantly let you know about the po poker confused podcast page uh, carries our show every week also um, the uh, hold'em radio network we have a regular spot on there with several replays each week and we in invite you to pick up the show uh, you can always send me an email at lemondave at yahoo.com lemon with two m's dave at yahoo 
com and uh, be happy to uh, respond and let you know uh, what I think about uh, your opinions. And I'm sure uh, they will be very helpful for us to move forward on this show as well. So let's take a break. We'll be back with more of the show when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us and the play-for-real game becomes available later this year. From the vantage point, Mafatu saw six war canoes drawn upon the beach. But what held the boy's eyes in awful trance were the figures springing and leaping about the flames, darting, shifting, bounding toward the sky. The eaters of men. Cannibals. Firelight glistened on the royal bodies, on flashing spears and bristling decorations. Mafatu watched the strange scene, powerless to move, and he felt doom itself breathing chill upon his neck. In that very instant, he heard a crashing in the undergrowth. Four figures were tearing toward him through the jungle. He could see them now. He turned and ran blindly down the trail, slipping, sliding, stumbling, his breath all but choking in his throat. Only one thought gave him courage as he ran. His canoe ready and waiting. If only he could reach it before the savages overtook him. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book Call It Courage by Armstrong Sperry. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. And welcome back to the show. Big Dave Lemon with another edition of Poker Action Line. Joe had to step out for a bit, but hopefully he'll be back very shortly. Uh, we'll update you on some poker news and some events. Uh, the uh, Deep Stack Venetian, one of the big tournaments out in Vegas over the years, uh, returned to action this year. The 35 uh, event series that uh, just concluded. The main event was won by Sung Joo Yun. Uh, he won $208,000 in the $1,600 buy-in event. In the, in the main event, it was a uh, World Poker Tour event and held at the Venetian. And he's from South Korea, and he defeated 812 total entries to win that top prize of $208,000. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the big wins of his career and also uh, picked up a lot of points for the Card Player of the Year uh, race to move up in that. Uh, a lot of big name players played in this one. Ronnie Barda, who just finished third in the event down here in South Florida, uh, made a fairly deep run in this one, as did uh, Anthony Zeno, finished 37th, Joe Tian, 31st, Eric Cajolet, 17th, and Joey Weissman, who's originally from Boca Raton, finished in 11th. Uh, Young defeated Roman Shaniak. For the title, Wayne Harmon finished third, Christopher Doan was fourth, and Dylan Wilkerson finished in fifth place. That was the end of that big event. Of course, there was earlier events that uh, uh, we were following. Some of the early winners included Blake Whittington, who won the opening event. 
event number one, which was a $400 monster stack. Uh, and then he ended up three events later, won the uh, eight, the $600 no limit monster stack event. Uh, so picked up two wins in that series and some other names that uh, won events. The main event was won by Johnny Oshana uh, from San Jose, California, winning 130,000 for first place in that one. Uh, some of the other winners, Pat Lyons, who maybe a lot of people have heard of, picked up a win in the, uh, the Bounty event. And uh, there were several other players that took down titles, including Jason Tadichek and Tao Dai. So uh, that was the, uh, the tournament up there. Just finished a big event in the uh, uh, Best Bet Jacksonville, their winter series, the main event won by Scott Stewart. And they will kick off another event in late March for the uh, spring event up there. They are moving forward with their big tournaments. Uh, looking to hear from the Seminole Hard Rock and what they plan to do with the WPT Showdown event this year. But things seem to be moving forward with care and, and carefully. But uh, we are moving forward in a lot of these things. I did want to talk about uh, the run in Michigan now to uh, bring in uh, poker to uh, the state of Michigan. It launched at the end of January, and they became the fifth state now to offer legal and regulated online poker. And they've come up with some huge numbers in the very beginning. A lot of people passed their thoughts there. Uh, we're going to see a big Michigan Championship of Online Poker event series starting on February the 20th. It's going to run through March 8th. And uh, from the very beginning, day one, they was had a huge turnout for some of these games. There were some problems as there always are in a lot of these events, but uh, a lot of these uh, openings here, there is some problems of, with technicalities and, and you know, the, the payment uh, systems were, did not work to uh, what they thought they were going to do. So people had some trouble getting their money in and there was some frustration with downloading the events, including uh, there was a point that the players were unable to download the client until they cleared their cash on their computer. And so a lot of people got frustrated that we're not uh, big computer guys and really did not know how to do that. But uh, the games, supposedly, the tournaments were fairly soft from a lot of players saying one player saying that he uh, he bought in uh, for uh, five hundred dollars and then it had it up to two thousand in like a couple of hours. So he said that he was able to uh, make some good money there. There were some gripes with the mobile experience in Michigan. Uh, they said, you know, the main problem was when you got moved to a different table and it sat you out and then you couldn't reconnect. So people tried to close the app and open it up, but they were still sitting out. So several of these problems came the first uh, week, and I, I think they've straightened a lot of that stuff out. And uh, you really got to give them a chance. So we'll see what happens. But um, the series coming up is the inaugural Michigan Um Championship of Online Poker, the, the MyCoop, which uh, will go February 20th through the 8th. 60 tournaments ranging in buy-ins from $10 up to $500. So uh, there will be a million dollars in guaranteed prize pools. The things kick off with a $100 buy-in event with a 30K guarantee. And then there will be a uh, high roller event a little later on for $500 buy-in and also a $300 buy-in main event, which will be 125000 guarantee. That will be March 7th and 8th. So it's a full slate uh, with a lot of things. I look forward to a lot of good things for Michigan. Uh, in the meantime, a lot of other states have passing online bills, so they'll be going through their legislatures. Uh, two of the main ones that stand out in my mind, Indiana and Kentucky, both trying to pass that, so we'll see what happens. So. Um, we'll check it out and we'll follow a lot of these things, but things se do seem to be moving forward. And, and that is, uh, I believe a good thing. So, uh, you know, uh, it, there's been a big stall out as far as, uh, adding, uh, states to the, uh, to run. And we'll have to see what happens under Joe Biden with a whole new administration in there. There was, uh, really Donald Trump was no friend of, uh, online poker. Um, and basically, the law of the land, the Wire Act, has been overturned a couple times, reinstated, overturned again. But the, mo the main look out there is that online poker is still illegal unless passed in an individual state and approved by that legislature. So it's just not willy-nilly all over the place. But hopefully, we'll move forward here in 2021 with a lot of things because obviously, there's just a huge need uh, for it right now. 
One other thing I wanted to discuss was an article I read, uh, Vivian Saliba, who is uh, a great player uh, from uh, South America. And she uh, is an expert at uh, Omaha and uh, talks about ways that uh, the beginning players can really concentrate on improving their game. Uh, let's run down her top tips. Uh, she said the first thing that she concentrates on is playing connected cards. When you get your hand, obviously, you get four cards in Omaha, whether it's PLO or regular Omaha or Omaha Hilo, uh, that a hand like... Uh, she says, like, ace, king, eight, five, all different suits, a rainbow, is a worse hand than seven, eight, seven, six, two diamonds and two clubs because of the possible straights and the flushes that the, you can create. So always look for double-suited cards and look for connectors when you're starting your hand. Piggybacking on that, she says, play fewer hands. If you don't get those good uh, opening hands, that she says there are so many cards out on the table, around the table with four cards in each hand, there are so many options. So she says it's more important to play tight pre-flop to ensure that you're putting yourself in the best position to make as strong a hand as possible. And uh, certainly makes a lot of sense. Uh, a lot of people see that ace and they all of a sudden want to play big, and that's not the way to do it. You also have to realize, and this is just a personal observation for me, if you have um, you know, a pair in your hand and you uh, pick up the third card on the flop, make a set. It's not necessarily such a great hand. There's so many other things that can happen in the hand. So, uh, you know, you don't treat it the same way as you do in just regular Texas Hold'em. Uh, another one of her notes is to focus on making the nuts. She says, just because you have a strong hand pre-flop, like uh, possibly pocket kings or something like that, don't overestimate these high cards. She says, a lot of Omaha play comes down to post-flop. She said, if you're only playing heads up or with fewer tables, you could think about widening your range. But with a full table there, it's certainly not the best idea. Uh, another thing she suggests is to uh, bluff with blockers. She said, you play fewer hands, you focus on making the nuts, as she mentioned, because there are so many cards in play, it's important to pay attention to potential blockers in your hand. For example, she says, if the board is four spades, but you hold the ace of spades, then you have a nut flush blocker and watch for those good bluffing opportunities should the occasion arise. And the last thing is kind of common sense. Uh, because there's extra cards on the table, extra cards in your hand, that you always want to double check your hand. Don't feel bad about looking down to make sure you have what you thought you had. Uh, you don't want to get to the river and have some sort of unexpected surprise. So uh, just to make sure that you're moving forward with your uh, your proper um, strategy, and it's based on the hand that you actually have. So that could be a big mistake for a lot of people where they uh, mix up the suits, possibly think they have something, and then actually they don't. So those are some tips on PLO and uh um, you know, the, the game that a lot of people are picking up now. So even if you're a very experienced uh, Holden player, you may be a fairly pretty much a beginner with Omaha and you want to learn the game because people are looking for variety and uh, branching out. So, uh, you know, some of the good friends that we've had on the show, uh, Michael Moed and uh, Mark Perlman, a few others like that, uh, are experts at uh, Omaha 8 and how to play with the low hands as well. So we'll have some of them on later in the year and talk about some of that stuff. But uh, I think that's a big portion of the growth of the game is to come back and uh, and, and make up for that uh, as far as uh, moving forward. Uh, let's move on to uh, another topic, and that's uh, whether we're still open for having, um, you know, a future for online gaming and poker. Now, we know that sports betting is one of the big things that's uh, coming into play right now. It certainly is, uh, you know, taking over as far as the attention of a lot of bettors. Sports betting more important to them than uh, getting this online poker, which we've been uh, waiting for for such a long time. But uh, a couple things have happened. Uh, Sheldon, Sheldon Adelson passing away is a big point. And... Uh, I think there's a future for online poker. Joe's back with us. Uh, Joe, yes, as, we move, <laughs> as we move forward, uh, uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, I mentioned that Indiana and Kentucky have bills in their in their legislature. They could be coming along soon. 
Texas is looks like a real dead end. California, again, we have all the fighting between the tribes and the tracks and the in uh, the online companies. So that's not really moving forward. So I think we have to kind of focus maybe on the Midwest and some of the uh, middle of the country to to see more online poker. But we need to add a few more this year. Uh, Michigan just being just the fifth state now to have online poker. What are your thoughts? Well, Dave, you know, we run a poker show, so I'm so gung-ho about it. And um, um, But I, I heard you mentioning as I was rejoining the show uh, about online gambling, you know, as far as, uh, you know, sports betting. And I think that's going to take more precedent that, you know, precedent than then uh, you know then hopefully they will attach both of them like they like to do with certain bills in 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 uh in congress when they're trying to pass bills but i think if you get the sports bill passed uh online poker shouldn't be very far behind yeah i would agree um it, it just seems like uh there's not as much money to be made as sports betting. So there's not a big push for a lot of these companies. Uh, you know, if they did it right, I think they would be able to uh, to, to move forward with it. But uh, it's been a problem over the past few years. We saw the very start of it and things were going great. It took forever to get the next one, Pennsylvania. And now it's taken forever again to get a fifth state in Michigan. But uh um, you know, when you see people move into these states in order to play, you know, you know, there's a demand for it. And, uh, you know, there's the competition between the brick and mortar places. And so there's not a, always a willing acceptance, acceptance to get going on it. Well, I, I don't, I, you know, that's, those are all very good points, Dave. I believe the biggest part from, from them, as far as money is concerned, is that, very few of these states, you know, you have to commingle, you know, you have to be able to do what we had prior to the DOJ shutting everything down, you know, poker sites, you know, and being the way the laws are being set up for this, where each casino is, is its own entity, you know what I mean? And, and has its own poker room. If it goes like that going forward, I don't see it being a big deal anytime in the near future, to be honest with you. It has to kind of open up to where everybody can play first within their own state because that's the way they're setting all of these things up for online poker. And then secondly, you know, that we're able to, uh, you know, uh, what's the word? Uh, liquidity. You have to have all the states involved, uh, at least the ones that have online poker, being to their players have to mix with the other players and, that's the only way it'll continue to grow and, and, you know, be allowed to be played in, in the majority of our states, in my opinion. No, I definitely agree with that. And uh, the Michigan uh, is not able to do it at this point, but they do have plans. And I've heard as early as the end of March is a possibility to, uh, to approve that. So uh, uh, we'll look forward to uh, Michigan doing that. Uh, it seems that uh, Gretchen Whitmer, the governor there, it seems to be uh, pretty much a good proponent of moving forward some with some of this stuff. So uh, I certainly think that's a good possibility. Listen, <laughs> you, that'd be like Christmas for me if that was to happen. I'd love to see it here in the state of Florida that where we're based at, Dave. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, and you just need a few more dominoes to fall, to be honest with you. I think once yeah. we get to maybe double digits in states that have it and they get smart enough to commingle with each other. I mean, look how big it was with the WSOP online series where you know, New Jersey, Nevada, and, you know, they got, they got some nice, you know, uh, participation in there, uh, especially during the pandemic. And, uh, you know, the more you see of that, I mean, listen, what was PokerStars and Party Poker? You know, at any one time, they'd have three, 400,000 players online. I don't know if you remember that, Dave, if you played on yeah, that I site. Yeah, I do, yeah, but, yeah. But, you know, they would have, have X amount of tournaments running. You know, that's what we need. That's what we need, you know. And, uh, you know, the, the, like you said, Texas, I don't doubt they're ever going to do this, but guess what, Dave? I don't know. I don't want to say ever because 
right now they're running a lot of poker rooms in Texas. Right. I don't know how they private rooms. Busted a bunch of that. Yeah, but now somehow they got something passed, or they're they're somehow they're circumventing whatever laws they have there. Because I know a lot of people who have moved out to the Houston area to go work as dealers out there. They're actually soliciting for dealers on Facebook and in other in other places. Um, so, you know, hard to say never there, even though they're they're an anti gambling state. And California, believe it or not, I believe Texas have a better chance than California because of all the interest, you know, between the Indian casinos and, and uh, the state license, the paramutuals, never being able to come to an agreement. So uh, it's just damn shame because if California ever fell, you know, I honestly believe within two or three years, you'd have a large majority of the states just, you know, following suit. So. Let's see what happens. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, if you people are that are interested in the next big tournament in Florida, it's a Best Bet Jacksonville tournament is a big one coming up. Uh, they will uh, also have ones coming up in uh, at the Seminole Hard Rock. They have their Escalator tournament series, which will be the fifth year for that. That starts. Uh, this weekend, February 17th, will be the first one, and that's the one where they start with a small event. And if you make the final table, you get an automatic entry into the next event. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open uh, is uh, looks like it's uh, they've given the dates for that out. That is July 29th through August 10th. And the we do have dates now for the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Showdown, April 15th through the 27th. So always a leader in uh, poker in Florida is the Seminole Hard Rock here in Hollywood. The Best Bet Tournament, uh, that is laid out now uh, for their events there. They will have, uh, let's see, it looks like 11 events, including a $1,200 Six Max Hold'em Tournament. Uh, and a 360 horse event to the $2,500 championship uh, is March the 26th, but that kicks off March 18th and will be played through the 28th. So uh, I don't know. Have you been up to that room at all, Jacksonville? No, I have not. I haven't been to Jacksonville. I've got my sister living up there, and I've uh, you know I've been able to get up there to see them. Yeah, I, it's 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 turned into one of the great well, rooms in this country that in many many years. Uh, so yeah, we'll see what happens for that. I mean, it's obviously the number one room. Yep. Let's see. They've been having great success. So let's see. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just to, to go back to Texas real quick, because uh, I did see an article here uh, that the Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick uh, was on a radio show and made some comments. He doesn't think there'll be any progress on the issue, uh, at least during this legislative session. And in fact, his quote was, it's not even an issue that's going to see the light of day this session. He said there may be, may be a bill filed, but I really doubt it. So uh, they are a long way from pushing anything. Uh, the Las Vegas Sands uh, trying to move forward in that state to uh, put in a casino, but uh, with uh, Adelson passing away, things could change with that one as well. Yeah, well, <laughs> let's see if that does happen. So uh, that would be very nice, though. So we just got a few minutes left, but uh, there's an interesting article that I picked up on Card Player: uh, Jonathan Little, Alex Fitzgerald. And Ryan LaPlante talked about to the magazine about what you need to do when you have premium pocket pairs, aces, kings, or queens. And he said the vast majority of the time it will three bet, three bet, but they also had some things that you need to consider that I thought if you have the hand in late position and a player has opened at a full table, uh, here's what you need to decide. He says – you got to decide that the players behind you, whether they're loose or not. And uh, he said that if there's a player who's calling down big bets with any pair, then he'll consider calling instead of raising. He said if a loose recreational player is in the big, big blind, he's even more inclined to make a smooth call. And he said uh, they will likely call with anything uh, close while in the big blind and getting a discount. So uh, while multi-weight multi pops are, are uh, messier, he says, I would like to go head-to-head -head with one guy 
And if the initial opener is, is a fantastic post-flop player, he's probably not going to give me a ton of money anyway if I three-bet him. So he said that's also a time I'll consider flatting. Well, again, for me, it's I, I agree with everything that, they, that you just said there, that they were talking about. It all depends on who the, the opponents are that are there, you know, people who are, who are you know, uh, in line to act after you. Um, and whether you want to take a chance that you know that if one of your opponents uh, is aggressive enough and hits top pair and doesn't put you on aces or kings and, you know, you can get them. And, but every player that's ever played a hand like that, Dave, also knows that there's, you know, risks involved. You know, <laughs> you you let them in cheaply, and they hit something that you just can't possibly put them on to start. With. Um, you know, uh, you know, world care. It could cost you a lot of the time. You realize, oh my God, this guy said a set, two pairs of straight. You know what? What right. it is. You know, I, I've I've been on both ends of that. I have I've been in a situation normally. As they mentioned in the article that you mentioned, and I don't know if it's Jonathan Little, but normally if I know that there's going to be men callers, I take the raise because I don't want to be an underdog with aces or kings, you know, in a multi-way pot. Um, yeah. But if I know, let's say, somebody was going to raise behind me because they're just that's just the type of player they are, it allows me to get money in there and then repop the pot and then maybe get it heads up with that particular player and, you know, take my chances when I'm a, a huge favorite to win. Um, you know, so again, so many different things come into play when you have to decide whether you want to, uh, you know, smooth call with, with a premium pocket pair or not. I don't know if you've done this yourself, right. Big Dave. Have, have you done this while playing poker in your career? Well, I usually, I usually find a way to get my aces cracked somehow, but uh, <laughs> that's why I find this article – to be very interesting. Uh, that was uh, How do you Alex like to Fitzgerald play your laces? said that. Oh. Uh, I like to, to I like them. to try. I like to occasionally slow play them a little bit. Um, you know, I uh, it, it's no fun to make a raise and then have everybody fold. That's just you know that's not just not good poker playing. So you want to try to get some value out of it. Uh, Jonathan Little says a lot of times if you're in a tournament, it depends on what the stacks are like. And he says that, uh, you know, as the stacks get shorter, that there becomes more merit to calling with aces and perhaps kings because you do want to get the value and calling allows you a slightly wider range of hands that flop well. Uh, so he says as stacks get deeper, he said you should almost always three bet with the best hands because you want to build the pot and extract the value. So um, it's funny, uh, LaPlante talks about the size of the bet, and he says his general rule of thumb is to follow against a single raise with no callers, that two and a half times is tiny, three times is small, three and a half is medium, four times is large, and five times is very large. So uh, X obviously being the size of the, uh, open bet. So, uh, he says it depends on the situation. It always does as well. Just like it, uh, we always get that answer in, uh, evaluating poker, but, uh, you know, for the most part you should uh, raise, but there are, uh, advantages to just calling and slow playing things. Yeah. They're, they're listing all your different options. Um, and the criteria that they use for, Raising, smooth calling, putting in a small raise, uh, you know, and all of these things, Dave, they're all, you know, I, I love them. They're very educational, but until you're in the hand, you know, uh, and and getting to know your players, in my opinion, that's usually the biggest thing. Once, once you get a, a read on, on, on your opponents, you know, then you start implementing some of these strategies based on what you, you know, what information you've uh, gathered on, on your opponents. That's how I've been able to play my hands again, uh, sometimes very successfully, other times, you know, <laughs> yeah, like I used to always say, the operation was a success, but the patient died anyway. So, so yeah. that's, that's when I used to get everything that would go the way exactly I wanted to. The only difference was I couldn't win the hand at, at showdown. So uh, it's just... Part of playing poker. 
Well, Alex Fitzgerald uh, looks at it this way. He says, uh, I think 90% of my job is game selection. So I tend to focus on games where I know people are playing their hand, not my hand. So if I'm ever playing a player who is effectively ranging me, then I have to ask myself why I'm in that game. He said, there's also, there's always looser money out there. That is very true. Yeah. Okay. But people's egos get in the way. Okay. That, that, well, that's great advice right there, Dave. That's outstanding advice. Absolutely. Check it out on uh, Card Player Poker Strategy, Proper Bet Sizing with Premium Pocket Pairs. That's going to do it for the show. Uh, Joe, thanks uh, for all your help tonight. And uh, Joe Costello, thank you as well. Appreciate uh, getting us on and getting us through this. Um, we will look forward to another show next week. Uh, try to line some guests up. I'm working on a uh, a group from the local bar league and to talk about how it the pandemic has affected their business. So we're working on that. Also uh, trying to get Michael Moed and his wife, uh, Angela Prada Moed, who are on that poker rhythm show. I'm trying to get a hold of them and maybe have them on the show as well. So things happening here in South Florida as tournaments uh, kick off a big uh, schedule at the Seminole Hard Rock. We'll look forward to that. And we will join you again next week on another edition of Poker Action Live. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.